Hello, world singers. My name is Brooke. And I'm Tyler. And this is Cosmere Cosmere Conversations. Technically, this episode is non-Cosmere Conversations. That is right. We are back on the mic, bringing our knowledge of not Cosmere stories to you. I know. It seems weird. We were skeptical at first as well. We are hoping that everything works out because we have updates and we have new information. And most importantly, we have not a lot of Cosmere stories. And therefore... (laughs) Our material is sorely lacking. Plus, we've been busy. Yes, we have been very busy, but we appreciate everybody still being fans out there, and we're happy to be back on the mics. Absolutely. I think that the best way to start this is maybe with a little update from Brandon himself. You know, we don't need updates from us. Let's get updates from the man himself, the state of the Sanderson. Brooke, what's going on in Sandersonian land? Yeah, so one of the reasons that we have been gone for so long is, as we all know, we are currently in a Cosmere drought. Um, Not too many Cosmere stories are coming out uh, in the recent past or upcoming future. And in the annual State of the Sanderson, which Brandon Sanderson is so kind to write out for us every year, um, he details everything that he has worked on in the last year, and then sort of an updated timeline on what he has going on for the next... Sometimes he, like, expands it all the way out for, like, the next decade. (laughs) Just, you know, whatever he's thinking about in that moment. Yeah, he's got, like, really good uh, outlines going, much more than I could ever try to plan. Yeah, he is basically just building multiple worlds all the time and has detailed outlines for everything going on. So first, let's do some Cosmere updates. This is all coming from Brandon in his State of the Sanderson. We have... Big news that Stormlight Book 4 is being written mainly right now. Like he started Yeah, he's spending all of 2019 writing Stormlight 4, hoping for a fall 2020 release of that book. Um, And he started literally January 1st, 2019, was like, all right, Stormlight 4, here we go. And if you look at his website, he is already 25% done with the outlines for books four and five. So 21 days, that's some good work. The next little Cosmere update is that he wanted to get to the Wax and Wayne book four in 2018 and did not make it. It did not. It got pushed aside mainly because of the success and the expansion of the Skyward series, which we'll talk about shortly. But the Wax and Wayne series is near and dear to many people's hearts and also hugely important for the Cosmere and where it's going in the future. Yeah, so much good stuff was dropped in the third book, and we're kind of waiting for the wrap up on that. Fortunately, um, Brandon says that that should be coming either late 2019 or possibly early 2020. He's going to try to squeeze it in kind of in between 
writing Stormlight. So good news there. Another Cosmere thing that we've got coming out maybe this year. What is probably definitely coming out this year, but maybe early 2020, is White Sand Novel 3, the graphic novel taking place on the planet of Taldane. Testing my knowledge a little bit right here off the back. Uh, We have the first and second graphic novel were, I would say, like, they got better. Uh, I liked the second one a little bit more. With the exception of the last chapter, last couple of pages, that was done by a new artist. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that Brandon did address that in his State of the Sanderson and was like, hey, Mm. thanks for all the good feedback. I know everyone was like weirded out by that artist change, but like it couldn't be avoided. Next one is already in progress. I believe number three is the final uh, graphic novel that will be coming out in that series. And since it already is in progress, I'm hoping that that will be this year. But he said possibly early 2020 as well. The other interesting kind of thing that's always going on in the background and is less in Brandon's direct control, or I should probably say not in Brandon's direct control at all, is the movies and television uh, and board games of various Cosmere-related things. Uh, There is a board game that's coming out. I believe it's produced by the same people who did Magic the Gathering uh, for like their new game. It's kind of a Stormlight expansion pack. Uh, and you can look into those details if you are super into board games. But we also have some of the Cosmere stories that are being pushed uh, through various levels of development in the movie and television world, including possibly a Emperor Soul and Mistborn movie and possibly a Stormlight Archive television show. Brandon said specifically that he was guessing a lot would rely on various shows that are already made. For example, the Amazon Lord of the Rings uh, kind of prequel to that story, which everyone's kind of got their eye on for like, how do those fantasy epics play in today's modern uh, climate or modern market? And some of the future of that is not in any way being controlled by Brandon, but it's just a fun update. Probably the biggest thing that Brandon Sanderson did this year was, as we mentioned, release Skyward, which is a non-Cosmere book um, that is brand new, just released, I think it was November of this, uh, not this year, 2018. Um, And I have long been skeptical of the non-Cosmere books that Brandon writes, mainly because I feel bitter that he spends time writing things not in the Cosmere. I just want him to write Cosmere books all the time. So I've like boycotted the non-Cosmere books. Um, But being as we are in this drought, I thought that the description of the book was kind of interesting, thought I would give it a chance. And I I did. I read my first non-Cosmere Brandon Sanderson book this year. And how was that for you, Skyward? It was great, actually. I really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, Brendan's writing is just so good. Um, So it was nice to just kind of get back into his stories and his writing style because I enjoy the way that he tells stories so much. Well, that's what we're going to do today. In the episode, we're going to take a look at two of the non-Cosmere 
stories by Brandon Skyward and its sequel that is in the process of being written or is almost completely done. Uh, and the Reckoner series, which has three main novels and one short story and is completely done and has no plans to be expanded uh, in the future. So we're going to take a look at Skyward, the In Progress series, and Reckoners, the Completed series, and just do a little bit of non-spoiler debrief about how yeah. we feel about both so of these books. So if you as well are sitting at home like, man, I need my Sanderson fix, but you know, I'm just not sure about all these non-Cosmere books, we are going to give you a little review and maybe you also will decide to dive into the non-Cosmere to uh, get yourself that Sanderson fix in this drought. So let's begin, Brooke, with asking this question. What is Skyward Simplified. How would you just explain it to a random Yahoo on the street or <laughs> friend at work or anyone anywhere who can read? Yeah, I mean, I think the best description is something that Brandon himself has said about it, which was that he got the idea from sort of the classic fantasy trope of like a boy with his dragon. And he always loved those stories as a young person, but he never wanted to write one because he didn't know what else he could add to that trope that hadn't already been done. Um, and then so he he decided that he did have sort of a, a spin to take on it, and this is how he describes it. How to train your dragon, but instead it's a girl who finds a spaceship and goes to Top Gun school. It's like a mashup between Top Gun and Ender's Game, and how to train your dragon with an old broken down spaceship with a really weird personality. I love that description. I had actually not seen it uh, for his explanation of Skyward's plot. That is so good and because we're keeping this spoiler free i can't explain why it's so good but it's really good that's that's a fantastic description i guess this guy like does it professionally or something because that is <laughs> that is quite good brandon yeah absolutely so um i mean kind of broadly Skyward is about a young lady named Spensa who is pretty feisty and she is a part of a, do we know that they're humans? Humanoid at least? Humanoid human I think -like. is fair, but we don't want to necessarily classify them as human Yeah, because we don't know. But sure. they're humanoid and you know, from a first read through, you would be totally fine thinking they're human. Yeah. And they are in exile from their home planet, which does appear to be Earth. Um, and they are fighting a group called the Krell. And the Krell are just kind of constantly attacking the humans. And they're, they're called Defiance. I think that when I was interested in this story, what appealed to me was the idea of like skipping over the uh star trek phase of human development uh kind of because what has happened is they we believe they did start on earth or you know another reality where earth is basically the same uh and then they advanced to become spacefaring and began to travel through space and then had some type of breakdown uh, and because of these attacks by the Krell, uh, they needed to 
as quickly as possible find a planet where they could hide. And then they crash landed and generations have gone by where they've been living on this planet before the main character appears uh, and has her own story. So we're not looking at like the peak of the human story. We are looking at a humanity that is defiant and also like isolated on this planet who knows kind of of their former glory but as we'll talk about time has gone by and has kind of changed things and their knowledge has deteriorated over time as it does and in order to protect themselves they live underground as well so there are spacefaring people who are now ground bound um which i think is Interesting. It is very reminiscent of Battlestar Galactica. If you like Battlestar Galactica, I highly recommend that you pick up this book. Yeah, you will definitely like Skyward if you like Battlestar. And we are big Battlestar fans. I was about to go off on a Battlestar tangent, but we're just going (laughs) to stay on point. Don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole. However, we've introduced... Bensa, uh, who has a call sign, because remember, there's a little bit of Top Gun. Everybody's got a call sign. Uh, Which is so cool. (laughs) And if you're listening to this, please comment on our Facebook and let us know what your call sign would be. Absolutely. Facebook, Twitter, wherever you at, we are at as well. And you can give yourself a Skyward call sign. We have Spensa, who goes by the call sign Spin. And who are some of the other characters that we're going to meet? Let's try to, you know, give a basic introduction without any type of spoiler information about their plots. Sure. Uh, another character would be her flight instructor, Cobb, who goes by the call sign Mongrel. And then we have Spencer's lieutenant, though they don't use that uh, terminology. Flight leader, flight I think leader. is what they're called. Yeah, because yeah. they're in excellent they're in flight school so they have a flight leader uh but basically would serve the position of lieutenant in the u.s or other militaries where he's like her direct boss but started school at the same time and is jorgen white uh who goes by the call sign much to his chagrin and anger at times of jerkface because he- which is so great I have been using the insult jerk face since I was like in high school and I've never heard anyone else say it and it was just really funny to hear it in this book. And then hear it all the time because call signs (laughs) are said quite a bit and he's like, you know, Roger, Roger, jerk face. Uh, (laughs) Who's next? What else do we have uh, going on with our characters in Skyward? Well, the head of the military and I think even like all of society, like kind of president slash military leader is Admiral Ironsides. And that that is her call sign. Technically, her first name is Judy, but she only goes by Ironsides, essentially. Yeah. We're... And she kind of has a beef against Spencer. For reasons we will not get into. Uh, but it is um, maybe an important note about Ironsides background and history and also like Brooke mentioned her position in society that she does not go by her real name she is addressed as Ironsides 
where which is unusual for anyone outside of the specific, you know, military important times to use call signs. Most people just go by their name when they're hanging out with their friends and stuff. Uh, but Ironsides is always Ironsides. And I think that as you read, that will be an important fact to remember. Yeah, it is indicative of her character. And then we have another character who has a nickname that she always goes by, and this is Grand Grand. Spencer's grandmother, who is sort of a wise woman, and she tells a lot of stories of their people's history on Earth and the sort of heroes and legends of that time. She tells those stories to Spencer, and that's how Spencer grew up. It is such an interesting early aspect of this book, and that's why I feel okay telling it to you, uh, that it's so interesting how historical record for this kind of lost civilization or lost tribe of humans uh, has really reverted back to storytelling and the way that our stories were passed down originally uh, is through the spoken word and then you get the development of things like poetry and song to help remember uh stories and you you can see that at play in this book as well it's a very kind of interesting aspect uh that grand grand is a storyteller for like part of her personality seems but she's also like a record keeper just like yeah elders of old used to be yeah she's a very homeric character. Yes, very nice. And I think everything that you are just saying really plays into one of the themes that we see in this book. And it's one of my favorite themes in almost all of Brandon Sanderson's work, I would say, which is the role of history and historical accuracy and how the record of our history influences uh the present and how what we think is true is not always true and how that changes everything and sort of the the fallibility of the stories that we tell and that fine line between what we consider hard fact history and what we consider a legend, a story. I think that that is such an excellent point and it's important to always keep in mind in Brandon's book that he likes that element too. I think he plays with it in Almost every every yeah. story. Yeah. And I just I think it's such a uh perceptive thing to play with and something that we don't talk about a lot in society. And I just think that it's fascinating and very important. Absolutely. I think that that is probably what is gonna keep me coming back to Skyward where what you mentioned at the top, you know, the quick explanation of like, oh, it's how to train your dragon mixed with Top Gun uh, <laughs> and a little bit of Ender's Game in there as well. That's a cool way to like spark someone's interest. But the reason why I would so highly recommend Skyward to people from any kind of background, uh, just as a, a very interesting story, is because of the way that Brandon plays around with time and history and legend and myth and what is real and what is not uh and how do we know something uh how and 
when we know something, do we base our personality off of it? How does that affect uh, whether people call us by our call signs or (laughs) our nicknames or our given names? Uh, I think it's very interesting and definitely something you can see in pretty much every story that Brandon writes. And I think specifically to this book, also tying into that theme is like the question of propaganda mm-hmm. and when, like, when is propaganda good or useful or ethical and when is it not? Is it ever useful or ethical when you have this, you know, society that is fighting for their very survival of their species? Is it okay to use propaganda to kind of unite everyone? Let's uh, briefly, and again, without uh, any spoilers, talk about the, in quotes, magic systems. Maybe (laughs) we'll call it uh, technology systems for this non-Cosmere story. But what is going on? Because Brandon always has that thing, the action driven by some type of cool stuff going on. What do we see in Skyward that represents that? Yeah, it's not quite magic, but it is supernatural, I guess I would say. And something to know here is that Brandon has said that Skyward is in the same universe as a novella that he wrote previously called Defending Elysium. And that's actually available on Brandon's website. So Anyone can go read that right now and get a little bit more insight into the universe that these stories occur in. But the sort of supernatural thing that exists in Skyward is called Cytonics, which is described as abilities powered by the living mind, some of which have been shown to be able to be augmented by electronics. So Cytonics sounds amazing but how is it going to be used by people who live underground part of the time while secretly building spaceships so they can fly and fight in the skies good question read the book to find out oh damn (laughs) what i think is the most interesting thing with cytonics is just like many of the other aspects that Brandon has created is its ability to grow and its ability to kind of, you can see how it can evolve, uh, how it can be powered up, how it can be taken to new levels. And it also introduces a lot of interesting questions. If you can power things with your mind, what happens you know, when multiple people are working together on the same type of thing or I think there's just interesting questions that can be asked. Uh, And yeah, like Brooke said, you got to read Skyward to find out. (laughs) And I think kind of similar to what you're saying is something that is really beautiful in Skyward is Brandon's ability to take a story that seems fairly simple and straightforward. And, you know, he is playing on this classic trope, uh, which certainly comes through. But then by the end, it becomes so complex and nuanced and complicated and really intriguing. And that is why if we were to recommend Skyward, I'd give it all my thumbs up. I'd say yes to anyone from any background. If you've read any of Brandon's 
books and like them. Yeah, you will not be disappointed. His writing is absolutely on point in this book. It's very, like I said, mature and nuanced. And I think if you like Cosmere books and you like Brandon Sanderson's writing, you would absolutely enjoy. Also, bonus is that the sequel called Starlight or Star Sight, sorry, is going to be released this year, 2019, in October. So you could potentially have two Sanderson books to read this year if you pick up Skyward. Now let's transition to Reckoners, a series that is 100% complete. Brandon has no immediate plans to change or add anything to the universe. It is called the Reckoners series. The series was marketed as a young adult series, and I would probably agree with that uh, categorization where while Skyward might sound or first appear as a young adult series, I actually wouldn't keep it in that uh, category. I would say, you know, that can appeal to anyone. The Reckoners, though, definitely, I would say, geared more to the young adult uh, group And we'll talk about why and what that kind of means to us, but it consists of four books. They are in chronological order, Steelheart, Mitosis, which is the short story, Firefight, and Calamity. So you have the main trilogy and one short story, all of which are about a post-apocalyptic world. When the apocalypse began, as many human beings across the planet were magically and instantaneously gifted with superpowers. Yeah, superpowers. Basically, that's kind of what it felt like that Brandon was thinking. He was like, previously we talked about how is he going to add to the very known like how to train your yeah, dragon the classic of. fantasy trope and this time he is like putting his own spin on like the classic comic book exactly <laughs> He's like the if i was going superhero. to do the avengers how would i do it and that is probably you know the hook that i would throw on to people it's like a sandersonian take on what would happen if a bunch of superheroes were running around the interesting aspect or like the key aspect is that it completely flips the script on what we are normally exposed to pretty much always superpowers equal awesomeness you know kid gets bit by radioactive spider and he becomes the coolest superhero ever swinging around new york we call them superheroes which implies moral goodness yes now with the reckoner series everything is backwards or reverse from what you may first imagine because the more the superheroes use their powers the more they are corrupted and turned we'll say evil i think evil is probably (laughs) the best way to say it Uh, They become more evil the more powerful they are. And so instead of a world like the Avengers that has the occasional, like, you know, humans want to control the Avengers and Avengers don't want to be controlled, like, that's the biggest conflict between... Basically, humans love the Avengers. uh, Or in the DC universe, you know, 
people worship Superman like a god or like a Jesus figure, at least in the most recent one. Uh, the Reckoners instead has society destroyed by warring super-powered individuals who become more and more sadistic and oppressive and evil uh, as they grow in strength. And this That's results... actually pretty interesting mm -hmm. because I feel like in our actual world, we tend to see more of that uh, depiction of like power corrupts. People who have power usually don't use it great. I think that is the single phrase that maybe Brandon like latched onto and then developed mm -hmm. everything off of power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And the whole story is about these super powered individuals, which are called epics fighting against to either kill or enslave all of humanity and a small group of reckoners who are going to be normal, regular humans fighting against these super-powered epics. And it takes place over three books and a short story. Uh, and just like we did with Skyward, let's kind of dive into this. Brooke, what do you want to know about Reckoners? Well, let's talk about who the main characters are. We have, as I mentioned, the Reckoners, kind of a misborn group crew yes got a crew got to have a crew uh and i think that that is one of the things that's going to be very easy to oh wait one more question sure does this happen on earth that is an excellent question and i would say it happens on the most earth-like thing we've seen in the sanderson universe okay but it's not confirmed to be earth well i think it's earth i okay. i all i'm saying by that is like it's Earth in every possible way. It has cities, Chicago, Atlanta, oh, New okay. York. So it is Earth. It is Earth in every possible way except for magic. Uh, I mean, obviously. I got you. But like, I mean, Avengers takes place on Earth. Yes, yeah. I, I totally agree. This is on Earth and like there are, we'll talk about that. It, it's, it's cool, I promise. Uh, because I would say one of the characters is the locations, but that's going to come at the end. Here we go. Our characters are formed into a little crew, and in a very similar way to Mistborn, the series has an escalating scale of the story kind of starts tight and relatively small with a small crew and a single mission, and then grows and develops into something bigger uh, by the end. Our main character, the story follows is named David. David is a young man who watched as his father was killed by the most powerful epic on earth whose name is Steelheart. The name of the first book, Steelheart. David watches his father die trying to save Steelheart because David's father believed in the power of goodness and morality and he was just a really good dude and he saw that steelheart was about to die and he tried to save him and steelheart killed a whole bunch of people in this you know crazy show of power uh including david's father and david vows to himself from that moment to kill steelheart by any means possible 
for years he trains himself to be the perfect steelheart assassin but he can't do it alone and that is why he finds the reckoners the reckoners are led by a individual and an older gentleman you know middle-aged gentleman or a lot of the characters are younger uh his name is prof real name jonathan Fedarius, but that doesn't matter. He goes by prof. I'm assuming short for professor? That is correct. He uh, was a, in his early days, uh, was known for helping create some technologies that we'll talk about in a minute. Nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. Who else is in this crew? We have David's love interest throughout the series uh, and another young recruit who is helping assassinate epics as Reckoners do. Her name is Megan. Then we have the kind of tech savant uh, slash Wade from Kim Possible. Yes. <laughs> the girl on the computer. Her name is Tia. And we have a couple of uh, bruisers with deep backstories and uh, <laughs> weird characters with hearts of gold uh, who fill out the crew in different books. Uh, but those are kind of our main characters that you're going to see through, uh, the story. And then of course we have the aforementioned Steelheart. And I want to throw this out there again, no spoilers, trying hard, as hard as possible not to spoil things. But one of the interesting aspects about the Reckoner series is always keeping in mind that the people that are epics and that are evil, like real, real bad people, started as human beings and then something happened to them, the gift of these powers and the corruption that comes with it, that changes and warps them. And so is there a character, is there a person underneath? Is that person still there? Are they kind of being enslaved by their powers? Or are these the choices that they made because they had power? Is it absolute power corrupting them uh or were they always Ooh, or were of... they always bad exactly. and then now they just are empowered to let their badness out did the powers go to people who were all bad like we interesting, don't interesting interesting you have no idea but i just mention him as a character to like keep in mind that like what you are learning about steelheart may or may not be true and may or may not be true for the real person that steelheart was previously but is no longer. So that sounds like that's one of sort of the interesting overarching themes of the series. Are there any other themes that come into play or things that this series, uh, you know, brings to the forefront? Well, I th as I mentioned, I think one of the most interesting things about the Reckoners and something that I have not seen with Brandon's books because they've all been uh, fictional taking place on other worlds, other places, Cosmere planets is the use of location in such an interesting way. Each different book in the main trilogy takes place in a different major American city, Chicago, Atlanta, and New York, respectively. Um, this attention and focus on these major cities is really interesting, especially when you start to see the way that Brandon builds this world, because Steelheart, 
controls the city where David was born and lived, the city of Chicago. Hence the name, though, Steelheart has transformed all non-living matter in the city of Chicago into steel. So it's just a massive array of, you know, the gigantic buildings that were built out of steel and glass and all the little houses in between and every single part of Chicago out to the very edge of the water is now 100% steel. Now I really just want to like drop a Mistborn crew into that city. Exactly. Uh, Because they would have some grand old times. But the character of Steelheart is super powerful, basically invincible because he himself is like coated in steel and can survive any type of explosion or bullets and stuff he can fly he can crush people with his brain he's got lots of things going on and then there's basically every type of superhero or epic that you can imagine on the power scale all the way down so there becomes a hierarchy of epics you have the high epics who are super powerful and control like little gangs uh and then the ultra-powerful epics like Steelheart basically start to cannibalize and bring all the gangs together so that they can control these entire cities and their living population of humans still there. So it sounds like you would definitely recommend this series. I think that it is a fascinating series, a very tight story. It's easy to read, easy to just be consumed by uh and it's a great sandersonian little foray if you're not ready to dive into something like stormlight archive that has a kind of huge big time commitment (laughs) exactly or just want a little break from the cosmere however i do kind of question if it will appeal to everyone because it is definitely geared at more of the young adult um kind of mindset for example if you're a big fan of the hunger games or any of the divergent books uh i think that that kind of genre this is brandon's take and play on that type of genre so i don't think it is a book for everyone or a book series for everyone i think a lot of people would just not be that interested in it, but it's fun. It's tight. It has a beginning and end that already exists. You don't have to wait for anything (laughs) at all. uh, And you just go out and read these three books. Nice. Okay. I have one final question for you, Brooke, because you have not read the Reckoner series. So this is my question back to you from my description. Are you going to pick up the Reckoners? I don't think so interesting this is what I'm i think about. i yeah i am one of those people who like it's just not for it just doesn't sound super interesting to me excellent then my idea or my recommendation <laughs> but not to everyone yeah is- not everyone but some of you out there may be interested and same could be true for a skyward as well if you're like i'm not really like a space person you know maybe it's not for you That's how it goes, people. We are just reading all the things that we can find. Just doing our best to get through this Cosmere drought. It's a long one. It's going to keep going for a while, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. There's a little light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. It is always darkest before the dawn, to quote my boy (laughs) Harvey Dent. 
We have so much great stuff planned. We are thinking about doing more episodes to get us through the Cosmere drought and get back to some spoilerific episodes, like really dive deep into the Cosmere and different aspects. Yeah, while we have been off the mic, I know we have had quite a few people still uh, adding us on social media and becoming new fans of the podcast. So I'm going to throw it out there again. If you're listening and you have ideas about what you would like to hear on the podcast, please let us know. And we're going to try to get a few more of these episodes out, be a little bit more consistent. Cosmere Conversations on Facebook and Twitter and email and that's our website we got a lot of things where we can reach out and we love the people that do it help really helps us and a couple of fan generated ideas for episodes are incoming shortly this however was our non-cosmere cosmere conversations and we are all done for now brooke can you take us away until next time life before death strength before weakness journey before destination mm-hmm.